It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And when they go into the finale of this series, a game that, should I say they needed to win this game? Look, I said to you the other day, they had four games left. The finale of the series with Arizona and three with San Diego. You had to go win three out of four to complete the sweep against Arizona, to do it with Carlos Carrasco on the mound, to follow up what was the best win of the season, and to do it with the exclamation point that they did, it feels good and it feels important. And they set the tone immediately. Two outs, nobody on in the first inning. Francisco Lindor rips a triple. Pete Alonso has two, I think, one swing And it was really one swing in his first at-bat that brought Keith Hernandez to saying, boy, Pete's a mess. Pete's a mess right now. He's just, he's discombobulated. He's not in his rhythm. He is, he's got to figure it out. Next pitch, Pete hits a 115 mile per hour line drive that skates over the left field fence for a two-run home run. Pete goes deep. They're up 2 nothing. Now, I'm thinking, hey, two's not going to be enough with Cookie on the mound. They're going to need about eight in this game. They're going to need about 10 in this game. But Carlos Carrasco, after walking the first batter of the game, put together as brilliant a Carrasco performance as we've seen. He picks off Pedroma after walking him. He pitches a one, two, three second. He gives up this little cheap bloop double in the third inning. And that was it. The only hit he had given up until the seventh inning was a little bloop double that Lindor, I don't want to say he should have made the play. I'll say he could have made the play. And Cookie was getting, you know, weak ground balls to first base. He was getting little comebackers. He wasn't even striking that many guys out, but he was in complete command. And the story Gary Cohen told on the broadcast was crazy to me that Carlos Carrasco, if you didn't hear it, and I'll paraphrase it real quick, that Carlos Carrasco watched an Instagram video of, I think it was Pablo Lopez, the former Marlin, the current Minnesota twin, the man infamously traded for Luisa Rise, in which Pablo Lopez was showing his slider grip. And Carlos watched it and said, huh, that's interesting. I'm going to try that. And he tries that in his bullpen session. And over his last two starts, his slider has been amazing. So, Pablo Lopez, my man. I love that guy. The Mets always killed Pablo Lopez. For all the people we talk about who are Met killers, and there's a lot of them. I mean, we could do a whole, we're going to do a podcast about Met killers. That's an off-season pod. There's a handful of guys, there aren't many, who are good players, who for whatever reason the Mets own. 
And Pablo Lopez was one of those guys when he was with Miami. So Pablo's the gift that keeps on giving because now somehow he's turned Carlos Carrasco into a, you know, a superstar in his last two starts. He was great. He was efficient. He was at 76 pitches after seven innings. The game was a blowout. So Balk could have played around. You knew that he wanted to get Trevor Gott in this game, which I had no issue with. But Cookie really could have gone nine. Because even though he threw a few more pitches in that eighth inning, 96 pitches after eight, if you wanted, Carrasco could have finished the job. He didn't. Not a big deal. Just an utterly brilliant performance by Carrasco that follows the brilliant performance by Senga. So for a team that had struggled all year long to get any kind of consistent starting pitching on back-to-back nights against an elite-level offense, Kodai Senga and Carlos Carrasco go 16 innings and allow one run. Incredible. It really is. It's it's a part of why baseball just makes no sense sometimes. It's just, it's illogical. I mean, it's, did anybody think that Carlos Carrasco was going to come out and throw eight scoreless against the Arizona Diamondbacks? Who the hell thought that? Meanwhile, Max Scherzer is going six deep, giving up four runs. <laughs> I know. <laughs> He's the weak link. You know, for, <laughs> for, for as well as the Mets pitched in this series, and I'll include the first game, even though they gave up five runs, because look, six runs in three games against the team scoring five runs a game, it's pretty good. Uh, but Scherzer was the weak link. Kodai Senga, Carlos Carrasco, they were the strengths. But the offense was really the strength. And the guys we got to give credit to, let's start with Lindor, obviously. We shouldn't gloss over it. Francisco Lindor put together on Thursday one of the great single-game offensive performances you'll see. And it just honestly doesn't get much better than five for five with two triples, a home run, and two singles. So he gets that triple in the first inning. That was the triple where the ball boy had to jump out of the way. It bounced around the right field corner, and Lindor got the third base great. The second triple he got, and I swear to you I'm thinking this, came with one out in the third inning. The Mets are up 2-0. So obviously getting a third base is huge because you can score on and out. But he hits the ball to left center field, and as that ball was traveling up the alley, I swear to God my thought is he may want to stop at second. He set up for a cycle. Like you've, you've already got the triple. Stop at second, you got the double. But Lindor is just busting through. And it was actually a pretty close play at third base. That's when the third base umpire, Lance Barksdale, decided he didn't want to bother giving us a call. Like, didn't do anything, just kind of stared at third base. But I was thinking as Lindor is dashing around the bases, eh, you may want to hold up at second. But I'm glad he didn't because, you know what? He was going team first. And the Mets then had that huge inning. Pete Alonso drove him in. Daniel Vogelback had a nice day offensively, ripped an RBI double. Jeff McNeil had a ground rule double. And then Francisco Alvarez behind in the count did it again. Three straight games with a home run. And and I did not forget, speaking of Alvarez, after we're done talking about this game, I wrote down every home run Alvarez has hit, and we're going to go through each situation. Because I'm telling you, it felt to me like every home run he's been he's hit has been clutch. We'll put it to the test. All right? We'll do that in a little bit. But the Met offense breaks through in that third inning. They chase this Ryan Nelson out of the game. And it was just a relaxing night. It was re- I was having a good time. I started muting, no offense to Gary and Keith. I muted Gary and Keith. I put a 
Joe Rogan talking about Area 51 on my tablet. <laughs> it was interesting. He had somebody, he was talking to somebody about it. It wasn't that guy, Lazar. I already watched the Bob Lazar one. It was somebody else. So I'm like, this is chill. Like, I'm still scoring the game. I'm watching it. But now I'm like, yeah, I feel good. I'm up 9 nothing. You know what I mean? Like, let me let me see about Area 51. Let me check did, out the UFOs. Did, so that not... And there not one moment in time that you feel like this lead is going to go, you know, kaput. It's Cookie Carrasco. <laughs> I'm not being serious. No. Cookie, Car- Cookie Carrasco is on the on the mound, on the bump. We don't expect him to go eight innings deep. I don't expect him to go five innings at times. You know, I, I think if at 7 nothing, I felt good. I think if the Diamondbacks had shown any kind of pulse offensively, I'm sure there would have been a little bit of a scare. Like, it would have been easy for me to get scared, but they never threatened. You know what I mean? Like, once the Mets broke it open in the third inning, and that's early in the game when it's a 7 nothing game, and then two innings later, it's 8 nothing and it's 9 nothing. Arizona never had multiple guys on base in the same inning. Think about that. Like, they never put multiple guys on base, which means they never rallied. So, yeah, I mean, if they had put together a two-on-nobody-out rally in the fifth inning, I'm sure in the back of my mind, I would have said, all right, here we go. Of course, we're going to sweat this out. Nothing could be easy. But it was. I mean, to the credit of Carrasco and to the credit of the Met offense, because, they again, they piled on. You know, at 2 nothing, they didn't stop. At 7 nothing, they didn't stop. It's 9 nothing. They did not stop. Uh, to Alvarez, because obviously this also happened in the game, in the seventh inning of this game, once it was 9 nothing. Francisco Alvarez. After hitting the home run, after ripping an RBI single a few innings later, got drilled by Jose Ruiz. And Alvarez started to move towards the mound. But let me defend him on this. And I've seen him do this before because the first time Alvarez did it, I, I was a little weirded out by it. I saw him, and I forget when he was hit by a pitch, but he was hit by a pitch a few weeks ago. And he took a step towards the mound. To where I thought, wow, is he going after the? Is he going to go after the pitcher? Is he going to charge the mound? And he didn't. He was just taking a step toward the mound, looked his way, walked to first base. He kind of did the same thing with Ruiz, where he stepped towards the mound. The home plate umpire, Trip Gibson, then kind of gets in his way, and you could see Alvarez say, "What are you doing? Like I'm good. I'm not going out there." And because I've seen him do it before, I believed him. Like Alvarez was not going to go out there and fight Jose Ruiz. Did Jose Ruiz drill him on purpose? Probably. Oh, probably. Because Alvarez hits that game-tying home run. He celebrates like they won the game. And that's my only issue with this stuff, is it tied the game, it didn't win the game. You win the game, take your freaking pants off for all I care. You know, you win the game, have the wildest celebration, you won the game, have a great time. When you tie the game, it's like when Lasting's Millage was high-fiving fans. The game was tied. They didn't win the game yet. And, and apparently, according to Tim Healy, Joey Cora talked to Alvarez and told him that and said, look, you can be enthusiastic, but we didn't win the game. So calm down. And Alvarez took it with stride. Everything you hear about Alvarez is the guy's awesome. He works his ass off. He listens. He, he understands. So he wasn't combative about it. Just, okay, good call. But that's not going to stop Lavello and the Diamondbacks from potentially being pissed about it. Final game of the series, games out of reach, seventh inning. Yeah, he probably drilled him. 
Should Alvarez go out there and beat the crap out of him? Not really. You go to first base and say, fine, whatever. I think there are times to fight. I said that a lot last year. And then there are times to say, whatever. This is a time to say, whatever. This is a time to laugh and say, we swept your asses. I'm going to go walk to first base. I hit three home runs against you guys over the course of these three games. I'm going to walk to first base. Like that, that's sort of what you can do. And that's sort of what they did do. The Mets never retaliated and it just sort of went away. I don't expect this to continue the next time the Diamondbacks play the Mets. I think it just kind of, it's over. But Alvarez is an, you know, he gets excited. And so do I. So do we. I mean, how did, how did we all react when he hit the game tie home run? We may have done the same dance at our house when that was going down. I woke my household up. What are you talking about, dude? I was like, <laughs> I, I was like yelling like a kid. It was incredible. And that's, that's the thing, though. Like you talk about, yeah, he tied the game. It didn't win the game, but you want that energy. You you do want that because it kind of uplifts the whole team. Look, look what Cannon did the next play. He hits a triple, you know, and then then gets gets driven in and stuff like that. After that, it's like, or excuse me, Beatty hit Beatty gets on base right. and then Cannon hits a triple and score. But the point is that, that the energy is there that builds the team up. So how are you supposed to regulate that? I I, I disagree. I understand why the point is you didn't win yet. So calm it down a little bit, but also his energy is sparking the team. He's also being natural with his excitement. I mean, the guy hit a game-tying, two-out, two-strike home run in the ninth inning. It's pretty freaking dramatic. So uh, he's not forcing it. It's not some pre-planned celebration. It's a kid who's excited. I think Alonzo's the same way. Pete's a very excitable guy. So when he hits a big game-tying grand slam like he did against Cleveland last month, he almost falls over himself because he's celebrating and he's excited. All right, so Alvarez hit his 16th home run in the finale of this series. I went through, and I, 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 I promise you, it did not take very long. This was not a stop my life, this is going to take hours situation. It took me about 20 minutes while my boys were watching B-Movie. Have you ever seen B-Movie? Do you know B-Movie? Bean? Bee movie. It's a movie about bees, and it's got some kind of loaded cast, man. It's a cartoon. Jerry <laughs> Seinfeld is in it. Oh. Gwyneth Paltrow is in it. Chris Rock is in it. It is loaded. Now, I've seen it 500 times because both my boys have watched it 500 times. So when we were watching it for a 505th time, and <laughs> Luis Severino decided to serve up batting practice against the Baltimore Orioles, I said, this seems like a really good time to sit down and go through all of Alvarez's home runs. Hey, hey so, by the way, real quick, do, do you still want Severino on the Mets in 2024? Boy, I, I have I have really, really whiffed on that one. Woo! <laughs> because I'll tell you something I said on the fan about this, and I genuinely believed it, and I, I'm just wrong. I thought Luis Severino was going to be the best pitcher on the New York Yankees in 2023. And I know that sounds crazy now because he's having a terrible year, but hear me out on this. Luis Severino's track record since 2017 was when he's healthy, he's really, really good. He just needs to pitch. Can he stay out there? I figured he will. This is the year he stays healthy. Contract year. What a coincidence. And he has been mostly healthy, but he's been terrible. And we haven't seen Luis Severino pitch like this since 2016. So I absolutely take my L on that. But it's stunning. Uh, to me, it's stunning. Again, look up the numbers if you don't believe me. 
Anytime he's pitched, which has been rare the last few years because he's always been hurt, he's always been effective. But whatever, that's that's for a different day. So here is Alvarez's home runs. April 23rd in San Francisco, the Mets are trailing 4-3, to three, and he hits a game-tying home run against Tyler Rogers. How about that? That was his first one of the year. Game-tying solo home run in the sixth inning. Mets would go on to lose the game 5-4. to four. May 9th against Cincinnati, down 3 nothing against Luke Weaver. Two outs, nobody on in the third inning, hits a solo home run to make it 3-1. to one. Okay, I mean, you're getting back into the game. I would say that's a fairly clutch home run. Uh, same day, later in the game, the Mets are down 7-1. He hits a solo home run. Okay, whatever. You're trying to come back, not very clutch. Not that that's negative. I'm not saying it's negative to the non-clutch home run, just... It doesn't fit the clutch criteria. May 17th, Tampa Bay Ray, City Field, down 5-2 in the ninth inning, two outs, game-tying three-run home run against Jason Adam. So we're up to two now that are no doubt about clutch home runs. This one's interesting because I don't know where you want to put this one. May 19th against Cleveland, they're down 5 nothing in the fifth inning. He hits a solo home run. The Mets came back in that game. That was the rally against Cleveland when Alonzo hit the grand slam. So a home run down 5 nothing doesn't feel like anything, but it actually began the rally and got the Mets hot. Now we go to May 24th in Chicago against Marcus Stroman, who may well win the Cy Young this season. It's a 0-0 game, top of the third inning, hits a two-run home run. Mets go on to lose the game, but he gave them the lead in the third inning. May 27th in Colorado, the Mets are down 6-3 in the sixth inning, and Francisco Alvarez hits a game-tying three-run home run against Jake Bird. That's a game they'd go on to lose. So game-tying home run, three-run shot, sixth inning. That certainly fits. June 7th, now these home runs are going to piss me off. has nothing to do with him. You'll understand why. June 7th in Atlanta against Charlie Morton. Up one nothing solo home run to give the Mets a 2 nothing lead in Atlanta. They would eventually give Max Scherzer a 4-1 to lead that he would blow. I think that's clutch. He's in Atlanta taking on the Atlanta Braves. Who knew the Met ace would blow it? Next day, June 8th, against Spencer Strider, up 6-5 in the fourth inning. Hits a home run to go up 7-5. Later in the game, up 9-6. Hits a solo home run to go up 10-6 in the sixth inning. Another game, they would blow and lose. June 10th against the Pirates, up 3-1 to one in the eighth inning. Insurance home run against Colin Holderman to make it 4-1. to one. July 1st, at home against the Giants, 0-0 game in the third inning. He hits a solo home run to go up one nothing. Turns out to be the game winner. They win 4-1. to one. July 4th against the Arizona Diamondbacks, 4-4 game. Game-winning, two-run home run. Top of the seventh inning to go up 6-4. Mets obviously win the game 8-5. July 5th, Andrew Chafin down one nothing. Top of the ninth inning, down in the final strike. Game-tying home run. And then obviously the one he hit in the finale of the series, July 6th, that put the game away. Four of his 16 home runs are game-tying home runs. Three of the 16 home runs are game-leading home runs. Three cut into a deficit. Six added to a lead. But think about that. Seven of the 16 home runs either tie a game or gave the Mets a lead. 
These home runs have not just been whatever. They have mostly been clutch home runs by the young Francisco Alvarez. This is why I'm still, listen, I'm going to take this all positive right now and say that this is why I, I we've been clamoring for him to be up here. Uh, we needed him here. His bat plays so well. And this is the frustrating aspect that I had talked about. I think I even talked about the last podcast too, of why it took so long. And I said this, and people have been killing me over it. It felt like the Mets were almost hiding, burying, whatever words you want to use, but they did whatever possible not to just give this kid the job. They do you mean last year? Do you mean more of last year or more of earlier this season when he was up here, but they weren't necessarily playing him every single day? Uh, I mean, if it wasn't for an Omar Narvaez injury and Tomas Nito, we may never have seen that, that is true, but here's my argument to that. You're you're probably right. So I'm not necessarily arguing that point. It's irrelevant though. Like it doesn't matter. Right. It, yeah, right. yeah. If if Narvaez is healthy, Alvarez is sitting there in triple A and who knows? Who knows what happens? He may never have come up here. But he was up here really early on because of the Narvaez injury. They didn't push him every single day. We were frustrated for the first few weeks, but he's mostly played. Like he's the catcher. So oh, right. that doesn't even bother me as much anymore because he's been the catcher really most of the season. I mean, he's played 62 games. The Mets have played 87 games. Like he is the bulk of the time catcher. Yeah. You know, I, I guess it just bothers me about how they went about it to begin with too. Even last year, calling up six, six games to go to, he always, I mean, Evan, you talk about the fact that he's come through in seven really clutch spots. How many times has he come up to the bat in those clutch scenarios? I mean, I feel like he's always the guy, especially early on when he started last year, the the, 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 first, the first six seasons, six games he played. He seemed to be up in a big scenario. I mean, he just is he has a knack for those moments. He has certainly had a knack. He's had a great power season. And what's been encouraging over the last few days, this series against Arizona, is he cooled off for a while. He went through a really long slump where he wasn't hitting home runs, where he was four for 35. He never lost it much defensively, though. And I said that about Pete recently, that, you know, Pete broke through and hopefully what he did in the finale of this series, the home run in the first inning, the RBI single in the third inning kind of gets him going. But through all of this, he's been really good defensively. Alvarez went, you know, and you, you heard it during that home run list. He went between June 10th and July 1st without a home run. That's a long time. I mean, that's a, that's a good amount of time. And now they're coming in bunches because he hits the home run on July 1st. And then he goes July 4th, July 5th, July 6th. And hopefully he keeps it going. And he's got a chance to hit 30 home runs this year. I mean, it's absolutely on the table. So I can't get nuts about the games he should have started in April or the games he should have started in May, even last year. Because I don't know if this happens last year. Right now, he's the guy. He's the catcher. He's the everyday catcher. He's impressed everybody. Everybody says, I mean, even Trevor May is out there tweeting about him, a former teammate. And I think his comment was essentially, I'm not surprised by anything. All you got to know is how hard he works. Now, there's no reason for him to say that. So you got a lot of people going out of their way talking about how hard he works.